Welcome to All Places Together. Here we believe that our lives are connected to one another and rooted in God's inclusive and expansive love for diverse creation. I'm Colleen Montgomery, pastor and host of All Places Together. Wherever you are, whoever you are, however you are, take a deep breath. I've got a question for you. Who is my teacher? Today, we continue our series about questions with the first of several interviews. I've invited faithful people whose professions include dealing with questions, either creating them and asking them, responding to them, or sometimes both. My hope is that these questions open up our imaginations to both think about God in new ways and also expand the type of questions that we ask about God and living out faith together in 2023. Our guest today will help us understand both the centrality of questions to Jesus, as well as how a professor can be impacted by the questions and faith of her student. Pastor Kelly Bayer-Derek is an assistant to the bishop for the Virginia Synod. Kelly uses she, her pronouns. Kelly, in her work, walks with those who are considering becoming pastors and deacons in the church, and with those who are in their first three years of ordained ministries. She coordinates the justice ministries of the Synod, as well as the adult faith formation and lay leadership formation ministries. Kelly has a Master of Divinity from Southern Seminary, as well as a Master of Sacred Theology from the Lutheran Theological Seminary at Gettysburg. Before joining the Synod staff, she served as a pastor in the Roanoke area. She is also taught at Hollins University and Virginia Western Community College. Kelly is married to David, who is also a pastor. Together, they have three adult sons and a dog named Lily. Kelly loves cheering on her favorite sports teams, spending time in the beauty of God's creation, and always learning something new. Welcome to All Places Together, Kelly. We're so happy you're here. Thank you. I'm excited. So as you know, we are in a season of talking about questions here at All Places Together. And asking questions is an ancient and holy faith practice in both Judaism and Christianity. So I'd love it if you could start us off by sharing about the rabbinic tradition of asking and responding to questions. Sure. It's one of my favorite things, Colleen. Excellent. (laughs) Um, So one of the things that I have learned the most from our Jewish brothers and sisters and siblings in this rabbinic tradition is this asking questions. And really, I think it stems primarily from the understanding of Israel as being people who wrestle with God and God's Mm -hmm. word. Like literally, the word Israel means wrestle with God. And so this beautiful expectation that You will wrestle with God. You will challenge and argue with God. You will argue with the text. You will ask questions. What does this mean? What's happening here? Who's talking? Who's not talking? Who's in the story? Who's not in the story? How do we fill in some of those details? And then you'll also argue and wrestle with each other that the rabbinic tradition expects. And again, I, I, I use that word very precisely because it's not just okay. It's an expectation that you will wrestle that you will ask questions and that you'll ask questions of each other. And some of the rabbinic tradition is expecting that people will have discussion with each other and not agree and finish the conversation and be okay with not agreeing. 
That, wow. that, that doesn't always happen anymore. It doesn't always happen anymore, right? And yeah. so this beautiful tradition of of expecting and inviting questioning of God, of God's word, of God's stories, of the stories that God's people have told about God, and questions about um, of and with each other, I just think is so magnificent. Um, and in some ways, you mentioned it is a tradition of Judaism and Christianity, but in some ways, I feel like it's it's not as prevalent in much of Christianity anymore because there tends to be this sense of like, we're going to wait and see what the pastor tells us mm-hmm. um, or the Bible study leader tells us or the professor tells us. And then we're just going to sit and listen to this sermon where we're just told how we're supposed to understand this rather than inviting and expecting questions, which I think... Um, is really important because it's the way we build relationship with God and with each other. Personally, I believe that. Yeah. yeah. And then this is the tradition that Jesus was raised right? in. And when we think yes. about Jesus as a rabbi, right? as a teacher, yes. like this is what he grew up around right. and how he interacted with his disciples. Right. It's like my favorite thing when we look at scripture and like... I'll mention it in sermons and things like that, where it's like the person asks a question, like um, the parable of the Good Samaritan, Mm -hmm. which is told after Jesus has a conversation with an expert in the law who comes to Jesus and is like, I followed the law. And like, what am I supposed to do to inherit eternal life? And as Jesus almost always does, he responds with a question. Yeah. Instead of answering the question straight up, he responds and he's like, well, what does the law say? What have you heard? And I I just, yeah, as a, as a rabbi himself, it makes sense that that's how Jesus would engage with people. And I think it's just so relational, yeah. which I think is also makes sense for that's how Jesus would engage with people, very relationally, inviting conversation, inviting discussion together. So, right? Yes, Jesus is a rabbi also. And Jewish. He was raised Jewish. Yes. So. Yeah, and so it is sad that, Many Christian traditions in the present day have lost this part of who Jesus was. Yeah, I agree. And it makes it makes me sad mostly for God's people because I think that um, I think that people have a lot of questions mm-hmm. and they feel like they can't ask them, that they can't ask them because God doesn't want them to ask them or because the people around them don't want them to ask them or because they're going to feel stupid for asking them because clearly everybody else in the room must know the answer. And like all of those things, I think, is makes it harder for us to like be in relationship with each other and in relationship with God. I don't know if that makes any sense, but it does because like asking a question is vulnerable because you're admitting you don't know something or you don't understand something you might like lose face about it Mm -hmm. um or oftentimes like right we ask questions about things that we're worried about for ourselves right so we might reveal that we are not perfect or we have an insecurity or something we're not sure about. right and even i think if we still rest in a sense of assurance a question can also be a curiosity thing where we want to know more and we want to learn more. And that's also very vulnerable because it requires us to sort of engage with one another in ways that perhaps we wouldn't, you know, requires, requires me to like 
speak of who I am and be willing to answer the other person's questions as well and learn from and with each other. And that can be very vulnerable, even if it's not from a sense of like, I don't know the answer. Yeah. It might be from a sense of like, I think I know this answer, but I also want to know what you know. And I want to hear what you have to say. And that is also, I think, very vulnerable to yeah. engage with one another that way. Yeah, so. I think so too. So it's clear that as you talk about this, that asking questions is something that's part of your faith journey and your spirituality. Yes. Um, so what do you do when you have a question about <laughs> Bible or faith? <laughs> oh, it happens so often, right? Um, so I do a variety of things. Um, one, I lean into the question and that's taken a long time to get to that point Mm -hmm. because I also was raised in Christian, in my own Christian tradition and faith history and faith practices where I wasn't supposed to ask questions. And so now I, I, I've learned into like being authentically myself. And so I need to like, if I have a question, we're here for that, (laughs) right? Amen. Right. Whoever, however, wherever you've got it. Yeah. (laughs) Um, So then I I seek out information, not necessarily answers, because I think that our questions are not mm. necessarily about finding the answer for sure, and maybe not even an answer, but are about um, growing in relationship. And so a lot of times my questions, to be quite honest, like they're like yelling at God. Mm. Um, or yelling at God's people or yelling in general And sometimes that yelling is like literal yelling and sometimes it's just like internal yelling. But then it leads me, as as you read in my bio, one of my favorite things is to learn more. Yeah. So it leads me to go digging for answers either or for information, either from other people. And so I'll have conversation with people and be like, did you hear that? What do you think? And what, what about this? And then this thing. And then I read this and like, what is going on? Or I'll read more parts of the Bible. I like totally geek out and like pull up original languages and I like pull up the Greek which is the like primary language in the New Testament I pull up translation helps with Hebrew because I can't read it but translation helps which is primary language of the Hebrew scriptures I pull up commentaries I pull up you know I google things I go down like rabbit holes of information and I also really strive always to uh, engage a breadth of perspectives when I'm seeking information, um, which for me is really important because, again, I, it's about engaging and learning and and hearing hearing more voices. And so I strive to make sure that if I'm looking up information about Bible stories or things like that, that I'm reading commentaries that are from my black and brown siblings or insights from my queer siblings or insights that center around creation care or, you know, insights from, you know, the church mothers and fathers from ancient days, like, and trying to have a variety of voices. Because again, I think it's not, for me, the question is not about finding the answer, for sure, like a sing, as though there's a singular answer. But the question is about engaging information and then God's people. And I love to talk to God's people about it, which is why I love to teach and why I love to preach and just like hang out with God's people. That was kind of a long answer. but No, it's beautiful and so <laughs> enthusiastic. And I just, 
I think listeners know like that I also share like that commitment to the breadth of voices that we can listen to when we're learning about the Bible or mm-hmm. anything. And it can take a little bit more time or a little bit more work to like yes. find those resources. Mm-hmm. They're not maybe the first thing that pops up on Google, but it's just time well spent to be able to get a fuller yes. understanding of the story and through that a fuller more full image of who God is. Yes. And I think like most anything, the more you practice doing that, the more it becomes just a natural part of yeah. how you engage. In that you that. have the books on your shelf right. or you right. got the websites bookmarked. Right. Like initially there might be a, a bigger time investment. Right. But then it just becomes a part of right. how you do. Yep. Amen. So you've spoken about as well about how a significant part of your career has been teaching uh, other people about the Bible, both as a pastor and then also as a professor. So I'm interested in kind of digging into your experience as a college professor. So just kind of to set the stage, what classes did you teach? Okay. So a little bit more background if that's okay. Please, as much as you think we need to understand where (laughs) you're coming from. So where I have taught primarily, Holland University, for those of our, your listeners who don't know, is a very small um, women's university in the Roanoke Valley. Um, And so that perspective and that community has been really important in terms of like how I engage with with teaching and why and how it's been so um, impactful for me. And so part of what I have because it's so small, I I get to be like one of the only additional religious studies faculty. And I've taught mostly Western traditions. So that would mean things primarily around Judaism, Christianity, Islam. Um, And then also some additional religions I teach. I've taught uh, scripture courses, Hebrew Bible, um, New Testament, um, engaging in like sacred story, which I love that we call it sacred story because it's Mm. not just about like written scriptures, but it's about like narrative that is dance and art and music and the ways that um, like people of faith have shared story um, throughout a variety of media. Um, I teach, I've taught marginalized voices, focusing on marginalized voices in those communities um, and those sorts of classes. yeah, mostly like scripture-based courses that have to do with Judaism, Christianity, Islam, and other faith traditions. So as you were teaching at Hollands, like what types of students were in your classes? Like were they all Christian or even like mostly Christian? Like, And I mean, I understand that each student is unique. So what are kind of some of the broad categories sure. or multiple categories of students that you experience? Okay. So most of the students were not Christian, but most of them had an experience of being within the church at some point. Mm. So so many of them no longer practiced Christianity or no longer engaged with the life of the church in part because in some ways like when you're 18 19 20 you're figuring out your life and world and but they also had been uh, several of them had been hurt by the life of the church especially sure. especially my students who you know as women as non-binary students um 
as students within the LGBTQI plus community had been hurt by the church, um, people of color who had been hurt by the church. Um, so that caused that that was a contributing factor to them no longer embracing Christianity as their faith tradition or embracing it, but sort of like figuring out what does that mean? Um, yeah. So at a distance, kind at, of. Yeah, at a distance. Um, but it was it's so interesting because many of my students were people deeply seeking community and um, like questions and understanding about the world and faith and spirituality and what does that mean? And, and many of them who had come from Christian traditions really missed what they had lost and were trying to figure out how to how to live in that and what does that mean and find themselves. And, and for a lot of them, like we talked about earlier, they hadn't, they hadn't been allowed to ask questions and challenge things. And so just being in a class where like, that was the expectation, you know, I teach following a rabbinic tradition. Like (laughs) I expect question and conversation and it was so freeing um, for many folks who were like, wow, like I didn't even know you could, you could like, go to church and ask questions and, and have this sort of conversation. So a variety of students, a variety of faith traditions, many, many times there were also people of other faith traditions besides like Christianity or Judaism, um, Muslim students, students who were Buddhist or Hindu, um, Sikh, um, no faith tradition, a variety of faith, like it was a whole mix of folks. I appreciate you sharing that summary of some of what your students had been through and some of those particular experiences with the church that they are going to bring with them into an academic space. Even when you're approaching it from like an academic perspective, so to speak, like you just can't ignore what you have been through or like just like turn that off. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Because it's. It's about engaging in conversation with the whole person, right? Yeah. Um, and so as they brought that experience into your classroom, into the classroom that you all shared, how did their experience inform the types of questions that they would ask during class? Oh, gosh. Well, as you noted, there's a diversity of students. So like in my my mind, I'm like seeing bursts of all of the students and hearing all the questions. Um so some of the questions were um, were challenging, like like pushing against traditional interpretations, pushing against um, things they had been taught. Um, and some of, you know, some of the questions, but, but you could also hear that like that was also deeply personal. It wasn't mm. it was all, it was both academic as well as like a deeply personal question. Um Lots of just questions, again, about, like, understanding and engaging um, questions that they would ask about, um, like, of each other as well, because they are coming from different perspectives. And so it was really beautiful to sit in the classroom and and have the student who was Vietnamese and Buddhist who'd never opened the Bible before in their life yeah. and read this story for the first time. In the Christian New Testament, let's we'll we'll pick that. And this other student who was 
deeply faithful and still deeply committed to the life of her faith community or Christian faith community and her perspective. And another student who was um, a, a non-binary student who, for whom that that experience of Christian New Testament brought a lot of pain and hear them talk to each other and engage their various perspectives together and ask questions of each other and do that in ways that were like deeply honoring and mm. engaging. And so it, that doesn't really answer like, like the types of questions, more like the type of experience. Cause again, to, for me, to me, the, the point of the question was that we were building relationship. We were learning from and with each other and we were engaging and engaging the, these conversations deeply and and also just like my favorite questions were the questions where it was like wow I had never thought of that before or like tell me more about this or like you know when we would read a perspective so the last time I taught Hebrew scriptures we read that from the perspective of a womanist theologian a womanist biblical I think actually I think she's a womanist biblical interpreter uh, Will Gaffney and like my many of my students we had to define what womanism is which for your like, listeners, go ahead and do it. Which for your listeners, I don't know so. that we've done it officially here. Though we've, so, read, we've read Dr. Gaffney nice. here regularly, but I don't know that we've so, defined womanist. So, so my very succinct uh, womanist uh, definition of womanism um, is a perspective that centers the experiences and the life and the insights and wisdom of Black women, um, particularly looking um, through the lens at the intersection of race, class, and gender. And so like provide like using that lens to read narratives of of the Hebrew Bible was really phenomenal. And Will Gaffney invited us to look particularly at the women in the story. So instead of reading about Moses or instead of focusing on reading about Moses, we would read about Moses' mom and Moses' sister. Mm-hmm. Um, and we would learn about Moses, but we're doing it by centering the women in the story and like the questions of like, I didn't even know this person. Like, who is this person? And what does this mean? And where did they come from? And and also, why have I never heard of this before? Like, that's one of my favorite questions too. Why have I never heard this story? Why did I not know of this person? Why did I not know of this phenomenal um, story from Zoroastrianism that I didn't even know was a religion itself? Like, those are those were my favorite questions too, as we like like had these like aha moments and we get to like broaden our perspective and learn all kinds of cool things together. And I just like love the image of, well, and I guess first I want to say, I know it takes a lot of intentionality to be able to create a classroom culture for those types of conversations Mm -hmm. to happen. Mm -hmm. So like I recognize that like you as a professor and a teacher put in the work in that space. But yes. then like this image of the joy that it must have been for you to kind of be able to like sit back. No, I'm not like you're still listening and like yeah. you're probably leaning in, but like to sit back and let the students be able to engage with each other in that way. Oh yeah. Well, because Colleen, like that's how I'm learning also. I I've never set up my my teaching for sure um and also i think engaging like as a preacher as a theologian in the life of the church a bible study leader this sense that like i'm the expert and i know all the things and you all are just you all are here to listen and learn from my awesomeness you know i've i've never an, a, approached 
questions and learning that way. One, because I don't think Jesus does. No, um, not at all. Like, yeah, <laughs> like not that's not all. who Jesus is. And if I'm supposed to follow Jesus, then I follow his example. And so do I have particular insights and wisdom? Yes. Yes. But do others as well? Yes. yes. And so some of it is like, like, as you said, like, as they're having conversation, I'm also like having those moments of like, wow, I never thought of it that way. That is so cool. And, and that, that I always find really, really like, it's just, it's holy and sacred to me. Um, I mean, I might, might not necessarily use those words in an academic setting because it might freak people out. <laughs> but, but as I was sitting in that space, it was just so holy, really, really holy. Um, I can hear that in your voice um, as you're talking about it. And I think just that I hope the affirmation and the hope that your students experienced, or at least I hope they experienced a level of hope that there can be a place where you can have these types of, of heartfelt and rigorous academic mm-hmm. conversation as well. Cause that's just like not, very common in our society right mm-hmm. now. So at least they have an experience of that, that maybe in another time and place in their life that they'll be able to create that a little bit easier because of their time in your classroom. I hope so. Yeah. So do you have a particular memory of a question or like a particularly like inquisitive student that was meaningful or impactful for you? Not not especially because so many of the conversations and so many of the questions and it was just so impactful in general. Mm-hmm. Um, at, as I was thinking about this question, I can remember I can remember some students, this was several years ago now. I remember a distinct conversation where one of the students in the class was a science major. And we were talking about truth and how you define truth and what does that mean? And we were looking at it. This was, I think, a world scriptures class. So we were talking about truth from the perspective of um, Jainism. And Jainism has a very strong um, theological stance that truth is Mm many-sided and Mm -hmm. has, is often based on your perspective. Um, And so like, for instance, right now, I could say it's daytime, which is true for this moment, but... Oh, but on the other side but of on, the world. Right. But but in Tokyo, it's not daytime. Yeah. So is that universe, that truth is based on my perspective mm. and and is many-sided. Yeah. Um, and so just a really interesting sort of challenge because this stu- for this student, it was like, well, but no, like two plus two is four. Like, that's true. And so just... That's have, true. Yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. And so having this conversation that led to like well, then what, how are we defining truth? And what does that mean? And like, what are the words? And like, how do you do this? And like having like both all of us in the classroom, myself included, just like mind blown, like this is so awesome. And then though that same student and other students like coming to my office to like, just like, let's talk more about things. Yeah. Like I've got some right? follow-up questions, I got some professor. Follow-up <laughs> questions and I did too. And it was so great. Um, that that was a particular moment that I remember. Like I can remember, like I, I the picture in my mind of being in the classroom and doing that, and like stepping over to the window and looking outside and being like, "Okay, but like, what color is the sky?" Yeah, 
Okay, now all 20 of you say what color the sky is. Are you using the same words? How's that work? And like, what does that mean? And anyway, super fun. And I learned from it too. I love that. So in addition to what you learned, I wonder how your faith changed based on the questions (laughs) of your students and your relationships with them. Oh, wow. Because it's clear like that you, there's the academic side of it, right? The, of, of the things that you learned about the students and, and their traditions and their experience that you had never heard before. Mm-hmm. But what's the impact that that's had on your faith? Well, wow. That maybe you wouldn't have ever been able to really say in the classroom. Yeah. Um, so you, y'all might be able to hear that. Like I, I get teary eyed just thinking about this. Um, you can hear it in my voice, I'm sure. And I think, one, I could say this in the classroom because I was always authentic and honest with them Mm. about who I was. They knew you were a pastor. They knew I was a pastor. They knew the faith tradition I came from. And they knew that I have great respect for um, religious traditions, people who bring varieties of perspectives. I mean, again, y'all have heard it in this conversation. I love learning from and with other people. So my faith has mostly been so deeply enriched and so oh my gosh, like just like love for God that is, that I feel so grounded and enormous and because it's also been made so broad Mm. and so invitational. And I learn about things that from other faith traditions that, um, you know, like, like as we even started, like the rabbinic tradition in Judaism of asking questions where I was like, oh my gosh, yes. Like that's my tradition as well. Or I learned from my Muslim students and from studying about Islam, the gift of, of, of honoring God's will in your life and trying to live according to God's will. You know, the, the, the it would it's talked about in terms of like submission to God, but the peace that comes with that, mm. that Islam is related to the word salam, you know, peace, like, and the peace that comes from that. And I'm like, oh my gosh, right? Yes. Or when my, you know, Buddhism and the Buddha teaches that um, some of the suffering that we have that happens in life is because we're trying to cling to things the way they are. And we're trying to force things to be the way they are. And we desire things to change, but only this way or whatever. And it causes great pain to us and to other people. I'm like, oh my gosh, right? Like Jesus says these same sorts of things, but I've never thought about it that way. And so I'm still very much deeply grounded in Christianity. I love Jesus. I love, I love the triune God. I that's where that's where my heart and soul is because God has claimed me in that space and God will never let me go. And learning from these other faith traditions and the students who, um, who have come from those faith traditions has deeply enriched my own faith. And learning from my students who push back, who challenge, who say, but what about this? Or why does it say that? Or why would it be interpreted that way? Or like, I don't believe this at all. And I, those all, students also, I'm like, oh, wow, yeah, like I never thought about it that way. Like, right? Why? And yeah. So I, yeah, I have been, my own faith life, I feel like, is stronger and deeper and richer and fuller because of um, engaging in, in relationships with 
others who are alike and different from me. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah. All right, Kelly, I've got one last question for you. Okay. Do you have a favorite question from the Bible? This could be a question that Jesus asked or someone asked Jesus. It could be uh, not involved Jesus at all. Literally anywhere in the whole Bible, that's a question mark. <laughs> what might be your favorite question? Or you could have a few. <laughs> I Yeah, I don't... Uh... I don't think I have a favorite question um, because I I love all of the ways that questions come up. And, and sometimes I think I'm probably making people's words a question that maybe it's not a question or I hear a question that maybe isn't written in there, but is. I mean, like I could start in the Genesis narrative. So I uh, Genesis two and three um, where, you know, Adam and Eve are walking along and the serpent is like, hey, here's this like fruit that you should eat from. And I imagine Eve being like, huh, well, let me wonder about that. Like, what is this? What's going on? What? Tell me more about this fruit. And like, I don't know that she would like actually be asking that question in the Bible, but that's the conversation I hear is them having this like. Like beyond just what's written down. Beyond what's written down, which again is rabbinic tradition to think about beyond what's written down. Or I think about um, Mary, the mother of Jesus. And, you know, she's this teenage girl. And all of a sudden the angel Gabriel is like standing in front of her and like, hey, like, behold, I come to, you know, let you know that like you're going to get be pregnant with the son of God. And like, I feel like the scripture presents her as like, let it be with me according to your word. But I imagine her being like, wait, what? Huh? Like, who, what? Hold, hold up. I've got some follow ups. <laughs> I, I have a few questions about this, which to me is deeply faithful. Like, it's also deeply faithful for her to get to the point where she's like, all right, let's do this thing. Yeah, I'm ready to rock and I'm roll. I'm ready to rock and roll. And I imagine her asking questions again as someone who is herself Jewish and raised within this rabbinic tradition that she would be like, hold, hold on. Can we talk about this? Like, yeah. how is this going to work? And like, what do you mean? And what? Um, so that's sort of how I tend to read scripture anyway. So it's hard for me to like pick out a particular question because I hear questions all the time mm. in the midst of the stories in part because I I've, I've, I practice striving to listen for the, the voices and the words that are, that are there but maybe not written down and not spoken. And, like, how do we do that? So that's, that's kind of where I am on questions in the Bible. I love it. Well, and that's just such an invitation to all of us that when we are reading the Bible next to wonder about what questions might have happened beyond that conversation or in the midst of that conversation that just didn't get written down and and to be bold in asking our own questions as well. Absolutely. Absolutely. Because again, that brings us back full circle, perhaps to the rabbinic tradition. And it's about relationship and it's about um, engaging in conversation. Um, and conversation is not one-sided. It's and, and leaning into those curiosity questions and those like, huh, like you worded it. I wonder. Like I've got, yeah, hmm, I wonder about I wonder. that. <laughs> yeah. Which I think is just beautiful. So, yeah. 
Me too. Yeah. Well, thank you for coming to All Places Together, Kelly, to share uh, your wisdom that you do have and your (laughs) experience and your faith and your love of questions. You've inspired me and I'm sure you've inspired the listeners as well. Oh, thank you. And see, then I need to like follow up with you for whatever questions they're going to put in your... uh in the comments. Comments. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> in y'all. the comments so we can like then like. You heard it from learn. Kelly. You can comment on the Instagram <laughs> post or the Facebook post. Send me an email. We do work in the same office so I can get answers to your questions from her. So <laughs> thank you so much. Yeah. Thank you. A prayer for learning something new. God, who is mystery, you are more than we could ever know or fully comprehend. Learning about you, your world, your people, and what their lives are like can be a delight and a joy. Yet sometimes when we learn something new, it can break our hearts, turn our world upside down, or change forever the way we understand something. Grant us strength for those times and grace for ourselves as we recalibrate. Open our hearts and minds to see you in all people, places, and creatures, knowing that there is always something new to learn from each of them. Amen. Thank you for joining us at All Places Together. We hope you experienced God's love for you and for this world in today's episode. Y'all, we had one of the biggest listening weeks ever for All Places Together last week. So I want to say thank you to each and every one of you who listened to any episode from our catalog. And thank you also to those who have shared this podcast and episodes with someone that they love or onto their social feeds as well. We are almost to 9,000 total listens, which is absolutely amazing. All Places Together got to be a part of an experiment last past week that I want to tell you about. I got the opportunity to partner with the Idea and Innovation Lab of the ELCA's Churchwide Office on a, brace yourselves, virtual reality experience. Phil Lador, who you will get to know much better in the coming weeks, designed a VR world with the help of some incredible interns. And I got the chance to uh, partner with him to host together a test run of this world with some young adults. And... I have to tell you, it was one of the most most oddest and holiest things that I've done in a while. Thanks to Brittany, Avery, Han, Christy, Kyle, and Sarah for being a part of the experiment and sharing your stories with the group. And shout out to Maddie for being our eyes in the sky. 
Unfortunately, the platform that the world was built in is shutting down, but we're hoping to be able to rebuild somewhere else because God is with us wherever we are, including virtual reality. I'll be sure to keep you posted when there are updates to share and about how you might be able to meet us there. As always, I want to say thank you to our mission partners, the Virginia Synod and the Evangelical Lutheran Church in America. Being church together is so important. Thank you to all of those individuals who give financially to empower the ongoing work of APT. Your gifts, large and small, help APT to continue to grow and exist in the world. If you would like to give to All Places Together, you can go to our website, allplacestogether.org. Scroll to the bottom where it says Give to APT, click that button, and you'll be redirected to our giving platform. Y'all, I can't say this enough. Even small one-time gifts of $5 or $10 or monthly gifts of the same amount add up to make a big difference. We know it can be hard to give financially, and don't forget that we celebrate all of the ways that you engage with APT and share our stories with the people in your life online and in person throughout the week. I want to take you behind the curtain a little bit uh, to let you know that while I can see how many episodes are listened to each week, can't see who it is that is listening So anytime that you come back to one of our social platforms to share a comment about what an episode meant to you, or anytime that you post on your own platforms and tag me in it or APT in it, it really means so much to know um, who, not only who is listening, but what is meaningful and impactful for you. Now, if posting publicly isn't your thing, I'm always happy to receive direct messages or even emails. I love being able to communicate in that way, too. So if you're not already connected with us on social platforms, we are at All Places Together on all of the things. And you can also email us at allplacestogether at gmail.com. That's A-L-L-P-L-A-C-E-S-T-O-G-E-T-H-E-R at gmail.com. And until next time, remember that God is with you and loves you wherever, whoever, and however you are.